Thank you, and welcome to episode seven of Savopedia. Lucky number seven. Hopefully it'll be lucky. We are in the first week of October, and it's actually my birthday weekend as well. So happy birthday to me. Maybe we'll make this a special birthday episode. Now, I know seven is supposed to be a lucky number, but I never put stock in luck or superstition. However, I will say all of my names, including my confirmation name, has seven letters. So seven has stuck with me my whole life. Hopefully it'll bring me some good luck and maybe I'll go play the lottery. We'll see how that goes. Hopefully it'll bring the New England Patriots some luck this weekend. They sure as well going to need it going into Kansas City, facing the best team in football right now, Kansas City Chiefs. Speaking of which, what a week for Corona, huh? I'll tell you, it, I mean, it's been an absolutely crazy bonkers year, but this week pretty much takes the cake. Uh, the only thing on the news, as you know, is the president testing positive, especially after claiming it was a hoax and, you know, it'll magically go away in April. And you know the whole story. I don't need to tell you. Watching the news last night, you know, flipping through the channels and every, every news station has its own take. And all I can think of is, can you imagine his reaction when they told him? God damn it. Exactly. I'll tell you, comma, it's a crazy bitch at times. But with that, I will say, I hope you and your loved ones are safe and sound. So tonight, I'm actually really excited for, for tonight's show, which is going to be extra special. My longtime friend and licensed therapist, Diane Marola, is going to be joining us to discuss all things healthcare. And I think you're going to find it quite informational and enjoyable. But before we bring in Diane, I just want to tell you about our friend Lee. So Lee, as you recall, going back a few weeks, was on the show talking all things aviation. It was a pretty successful show. We actually had our most listeners that week. So Lee has actually launched his own podcast called Airwaves This Week. Yep, fasten your seatbelts. It's a different type of travel show, and it's a podcast to discuss all things aviation, airlines, airports, you name it, entertaining travel-related discussions. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm excited about that. We've uh, put the first one out last Tuesday, and they should be releasing every Tuesday on Anchor FM, Spotify, Apple, and all your favorite podcast apps. So be sure to look out for Airwaves this week and consider it your boarding pass to adventure. So, without further ado, so I'd like to welcome Diane Marola, whom I've known since about 1989, 1990. Uh, Diane has extensive knowledge of healthcare and has worked many years in the field. And besides her experience in HR and revenue cycle, and I'm sure there's others I haven't mentioned. She's also a practicing licensed social worker, writes an article for a local Rhode Island newspaper, and reoccurring guest on Recovery Radio on WPRVAM in Rhode Island. Anyone who knows Diane will tell you that she's one of the most positive and honest people they've ever met, and she's well-respected in the community. So with that, welcome, Diane. Thank you, Steve. I'm so grateful that you and I have reconnected again. Absolutely, well, as am I. So besides my introduction, would you like to tell us more about yourself and experience in the field? 
Sure. So I describe myself as a hybrid. So um, my undergraduate degree is from Bryant University in from in Smithfield, Rhode Island, um, where I majored in um, business administration. Um, and then my master's is in social work and um, also a licensed independent clinical social worker in the state of Rhode Island. Um, and I describe myself as a hybrid because the first 10 years of my professional career was in healthcare and hospital, uh, well, in healthcare, as we know, but it was in human resources and hospital administration, as you know. Mm-hmm. And, and then um, because of the terminal illnesses of my both my parents at separate times in the 90s, um, it that those experiences propelled me to go back for my master's in social work um, and become a social worker. Um, I served on the social work licensure board in Rhode Island uh, for two terms. I was appointed by Governor Don Kacheri. Um, And so then I embarked on my clinical uh, career in in mental health, um, and that started in 2000. Um, and then 17 years of my 33 years in healthcare, um, I worked for the managed care industry, or we call them the health insurance companies. So I have extensive knowledge about how health insurance works. Um, and now I'm doing what my passion is, which is outpatient mental health. So it's safe to say you're quite busy. I am really busy, and I love being busy. So uh, with good things, not yeah. you know. So yeah, like we say at work, busy's good. Busy's good. Busy's good. So all right. So let's just jump into it. As you know, this has been an unprecedented year, and I think with the news just this last week proves this virus does not discriminate. And perhaps we should have been listening to. Dr. Fauci and the scientists all along. So I'd like to start with a few questions referring to COVID. Sure. So first, uh, as a healthcare professional, do you agree with the guidelines coming out of the CDC? I absolutely do. And um, I am, when it comes to COVID um, and, you know, what I need to do um, and what I tell my family to do, my friends to do, and my clients to do um, is to follow those guidelines and listen to healthcare professionals um, and listen to someone like Dr. Fauci. Um, so, yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with them and follow them. You know, we've heard a lot in the media, especially coming out of this administration. So we shouldn't go on our hunches or quote unquote gut feelings. That's true. And we shouldn't and we should filter out the politics that have unfortunately man, uh, somehow crept into all of this. And, um, and that's on both sides of the fence. So both uh, Democrats and Republicans have politicized COVID. So we, we need to try and filter out that noise and just focus on the virus itself, what we know about it, and how to protect ourselves from it. I totally agree. And would you also agree that uh, natural disasters such as this pandemic can create an enormous amount of stress and depression? Yes, and we and we know that for sure. So we know that, um, you know, people are accessing mental health and substance um, 
abuse treatment um, more now than ever before. Um, COVID is really uh, having an impact on children and adolescents, uh, adults, senior citizens. So this is going to have long-lasting mental health effects on us. So you've seen an increase in insecurity, confusion, emotional isolation cases, and so forth. Absolutely. So a lot of anxiety, a lot of anger, um, a lot of depression, a lot of fear. Um, And although I don't specifically treat substance use and abuse disorders, um, statistically, we we are seeing uh, people drinking more, using drugs more, overdoses are up, suicides are up. So, so we know that this, um, this virus is having an impact on people mentally. Yeah, and, and that was one of my questions in the field overall. I would imagine they've seen an increase of substance abuse and not just drugs and alcohol, but also prescription medications as well. Right. So the prescription uh, medication, as we know, has been a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, There is the opioid epidemic, and that was something that was um, created by the pharmaceutical companies. Um, These are very, uh, opioids are very dangerous drugs. And so um, that as well. So we we kind of have the the perfect storm here now that we are dealing with in this country. And I'm glad you mentioned anxiety. So years ago, you know, not that I never heard of anxiety, but it just wasn't a thing that affected me. But now I know so many people who suffer from anxiety, myself being one of them. So we know anxiety can also be caused by economic loss, you know, work and school closures, and maybe even fear of inadequate medical resources. So is it safe to say people with pre-existing medical conditions, such as anxiety or substance abuse, are at increased risk? They absolutely are. So anyone who already has a pre-existing either mental health or medical um, condition um, are at risk. Um, I am also an anxiety sufferer. and it's something that before I went into the mental health field, I didn't know what it was, and now I do. Um, and it's a chronic condition. Um, I know how to manage it now, but um, but it's something that um, you know we are seeing on the rise here in this country because of COVID. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, other than the fears we mentioned couple of minutes ago, can home confinement and requirements of wearing a mask also stir up anxieties? Absolutely. So um, wearing a mask um, can, can exacerbate fears um, and it can cause people not to come out of their house. And when people isolate and don't come out of their house, um, that causes anxiety and depression. Um, one aspect of anxiety can be panic attacks. So I do have clients who suffer from panic attacks and 
when they have a mask on, you know, they can only have it maybe for a limited period of time and then they have to take it off because they'll have a panic attack. So um, absolutely all of these aspects of the virus are exacerbating um, mental health conditions for sure. And I, w- I would imagine that all these stories we read about or see on the news where people out in public are arguing about wearing a mask, not wearing a mask, for somebody who's already, um, you know, fearful of going out in public, I'm sure this doesn't do them any, any, any good. Yeah, and you know, I would, I would say to folks, if you see someone without a mask, just keep your distance from them and leave them alone. I mean, we don't really know why they don't have a mask on. Mm-hmm. They might have, you know, again, they suffer from panic attacks or they have um, some type of medical condition where they shouldn't be wearing a mask. So um, I, I, I think this, um, this virus is really, um, you know, we know for sure that anger is up and people find a need to approach people and kind of police them Mm -hmm. but we should we should just be policing ourselves um and if you see somebody without a mask um i'm gonna assume there's a good reason for it just keep your distance from them and and don't go near them that's all i mean that's all somebody needs to do that is an absolutely that is a great point and that's probably the best way i've heard it put yet myself when i'm out in public i always have a mask on if i do see folks coming at me who don't have a mask on and where I live in this city, the the sidewalks are very narrow. So I usually, even though I have a mask on, I usually put my hand over my mask and mm-hmm. either walk into the street or walk the other way. I don't say anything and just keep my right. distance. And that's the best thing. Yep. That's the best thing. So during natural disasters such as this or wartime acts of mass violence, like we see on TV, Uh, A primary concern is always PTSD arising from exposure to this type of trauma. So for the moment, let's touch on the general public, if we can. Do you think uh, we may see an increase in PTSD due to COVID? We absolutely will. And I think, again, we're going to see it with children and adolescents, um, with adults, with senior citizens. We will absolutely see this. because this is a traumatic event. It really is. And the, um, when you go through something traumatic, um, you know, it stays in the brain. It does. And so we, we definitely will. Definitely will. And I, I purposely singled out the, the public. So now let's talk about frontline healthcare workers and first responders so given their risk of exposure to the virus and concern about infecting or caring for their loved ones at home uh, and shortages of personal protective equipment, PPE, and longer work hours, uh, do you think healthcare workers are also vulnerable to emotional distress during the pandemic? They are extremely vulnerable. And, and I do have on my caseload um, some healthcare workers who are um, anxious, beyond anxious in having to go to work every day uh, with this virus. And, and I will tell you, um, you know, I, I'm a little concerned um, that our healthcare 
um, institutions in Rhode Island are not doing more to support healthcare workers' mental health. Um, so I really don't hear, uh, at least from my clients, that a whole lot is being done to support healthcare workers in mental health at all. Um, so I, 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 you know, I'm a little disappointed in that, that the, um, that the larger institutions are not being a little more mindful of the healthcare workers' mental health. And that's, that's a great answer. That was actually my next question. If you've seen prevention efforts for frontline workers, um, so I would assume you believe more can be done. More definitely can be done. And, you know, they, what I say is that um, employers need to walk the talk, okay, when it comes to their employees. And it, it's more than just sending an email saying, oh, you know, um, take care of yourself. You know, right. really, you know, the management and upper management should really be um, – you know, in tune to their employees, whether they are struggling or not, what they are struggling with, and and then, you know, meeting that employee where they, they are at to be able to support them with their mental health issues. And like you said about the people not wearing masks, you can be working alongside somebody and they seem perfectly fine, but you have no idea what they're going through. Right. So, so yeah, you, you, that's such a great point, Steve, that we never know what's going on with someone. We don't know what's going on in their personal life. We don't know um, if they're suffering from something. And I, and I will tell you as a mental health counselor that, um, you know, looks are very deceiving. People know how to um, kind of fake it till they make it, mm-hmm. uh, I say. And so their face really doesn't tell the complete story. So we all have a different storm that we're going through. Um, and, um, you know, just be, I, I just think that employers could be a little kinder, a little more compassionate, a little more understanding when it comes to their employees and what they might be going through. Staying in touch. Yeah. So it's really not all doom and gloom though, right? There is hope. There is hope. And, and so, um, there definitely is hope with all of this. And, um, I actually see a lot of silver linings with the, the COVID virus, um, that I think that, you know, people could make some lifestyle changes and become healthier. I, I really feel that this is, um, you know, I, look at life that when things happen, good and bad, that it, what is it trying to teach me? And COVID, I think, is trying to teach us that as a society, we need to uh, live uh, healthier lifestyles. We really, need, we really need to do that. And you mentioned to me in another conversation that people can also find an outlet, such as an ho- uh, a hobby, learning mm-hmm. a new skill, etc. Right. Or, or revisiting something that they used to do. So when I meet with my clients and the first session is an assessment, I'll always, as part of the assessment, you know, you always ask, and I always ask, you know, what do you like to do? 
because tapping into those loves that you either have now or that you had as a child. So, um, you know, tapping into those things. So one of the things is music, for example. So many of us as children learned how to play an instrument. Well, hey, pick up that instrument again and, and start playing it because music is very soothing. Music decreases anxiety. Um, you know, and I know during COVID that a lot of my friends, both locally and nationally, have picked up instruments and I see them putting on little concerts on Facebook mm-hmm. and I enjoy them, you know? So yeah, ta- we, we have to have an outlet. Maybe it's bike riding. Um, maybe it's rollerblading. Um, I love to walk and walk my dogs. That, that is my outlet. Um, I love to sing. So I sing in my condo, you know, by <laughs> myself. I mean, that, you know, I have to entertain myself. So, um, you know, it's finding those outlets that are going to make you feel better, but not an outlet, not alcohol, not drugs, right. not cigarettes. Right. Yeah. And I, and I think I also mentioned to you before, so I did myself pick up the guitar during this, this pandemic and being, you know, home confined since March. I uh, haven't played in, in a number of years. Uh, so it's been, for me, it's been therapeutic when I'm not doing a podcast, which also was born out of this pandemic. Um, I'm usually practicing my guitar. Now, I will tell you, I am not giving any concerts on Facebook. Oh, uh, you got to give a concert. See, <laughs> yes. no, no, you got to give a concert, Steve. <laughs> I will play, I will play you the four notes I know. All right. And I'll sing to it. How's that? Awesome. It's a deal. <laughs> so, and there's also, oh, there's always additional resources for help, correct? There's, I know there's so many online or phone resources available nowadays, correct? So that's a great question. So that is the, if, if someone listens to this podcast and you don't remember anything else that we say, you know, there is help. And the way to get help is to, um, there's a few ways. So you can do a quick Google search on the computer and see what mental health um, providers are in your area um, or substance abuse providers as well. Um, You can call your health insurance company and and, um, ask them for referrals or all of the health insurance companies have their provider directories online and what their specialties are. So you can do that as well. Um, So there is a lot of different ways to be able to find out, um, you know, who is providing care in your area. But absolutely, absolutely, if you are feeling um, depressed, if you are feeling um, anxious, um, if you are feeling not quite right, definitely reach out for help. The other place that people, if they are struggling, um, go see your primary care physician as well. So go and have some blood work done and and tell your primary care physician what's happening with you. And they may prescribe medication for you. Um, Medication is one tool that is utilized if somebody is um, struggling from a mental health disorder. But um, so definitely go and see your doctor as well. But there is help. There is help all around everyone. Um, All you need to do is ask for help and it's there. 
all great points. So thank you for that. And I'm sure anyone listening to this podcast would thank you as well. So I'd like to touch a bit, switching gears a little bit to the Affordable Care Act, the Affordable Health Care Act, uh, and a little bit about telemedicine and revenue cycle. So Affordable Care Act, in, in a recent radio interview in Rhode Island, you mentioned HMOs should work the same as car insurance. Can you elaborate on that? Sure. So um, in my 33 years of watching what has happened to healthcare and how health insurance works, um, it, it, it really is a broken system. And so the way that I think it should work is that we um, should pay for just our own routine care. Okay, so um, going to see our doctor annually, I think we should pay for. Um, blood work, I think we should pay for. Um, regular dentist visits, I think we should pay for. And then I think that we should, first of all, abolish, <clears throat> excuse me, abolish the employer system where we get health insurance through our employers. I think that should totally be abolished where we, the consumer, pick and choose what plan that we want, okay, um, and what plan would meet our needs. So someone like me, I need catastrophic coverage. That's all I need. I don't need benefits for OB. I never did. So why, why, why is that part of right. my um, coverage? I don't need it. Um, so I think that you know, we, we, the consumer should be given the keys. We gave the keys away to the health insurance companies and they control our health care. And as much as they want to say that they don't, and that that is in the hands of doctors and nurses and mental health providers, that is not true. So, um, but that would require a whole change in terms of um, how, you know, how health insurance goes in this country. The other thing that I, I will mention to you, another option, and, and this is something that I didn't believe in before, but I believe in now, is having universal health care. Mm-hmm. So um, like, you know, uh, a little more socialized medicine, okay? Um, and maybe some kind of a hybrid plan where we get a base plan and then we could purchase what we want in addition to that. So, but the current, the current system is not working. The current system um, is only making the health insurance companies rich. And they are all Absolutely. very, very rich. Yep. And they pay their CEOs lots and lots of money. And I'm talking about the for-profit ones. The nonprofits are run a little different. So I don't get on their back as much as I do. The for-profit health insurance companies are making money hand over fist. Um, and we, the number one reason why people are going bankrupt in this country is because of medical costs. And these are people who have health insurance, but they still get buried with medical costs because they unfortunately got, um, some type of chronic condition. Absolutely agree. And we're one of the only countries in the world that have that. Right. So, so that's my frustration. Like we used to be the leader in so many things and we're not anymore. No, 
And the reason, the reason why we're not, Steve, is because it's all about money. Everything mm-hmm. is all about money. And look, I like money, okay? I'm not saying yeah, we that. all do. We all do, right? But the, the greed and, um, you know, where you have some people who just have gobs and gobs and gobs of money and then everybody else is like just left to, you know, de- you know fend for themselves is really not that cool. Well, really, so. they're feeding off of sick people. They're making money off of people yeah. who have no other choice. So, right. and the way you described it is great because that would force competition in the market, which in turn would then lower costs because every insurance company out there is going to want to be the lowest, right? Like Geico, they want right. to be the lowest, so they're going to want to attract the more, more customers. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right, and and that's where I say I'm a I'm a hybrid. So it's mm-hmm. like I have this business side of my head, and then I have this, you know, clinician, mental health, social worker side of my head. And I do believe in competition, and I believe competition works. Um, and so I think that that would um, drive the cost of healthcare down if there was more competition. If we, the consumers, were given the keys um, and abolish the employer um, where, you know, you get your health insurance from an employer um, and take the keys away from the managed care companies because they are the ones who are dictating our care. So a lot more to be done. And when we elect Diane Marola to Congress, (laughs) (laughs) she will represent us all well. (laughs) <laughs> you, I'll, you'll get my first vote. Yay. <laughs> so a couple of questions uh, on to revenue cycle, as you've had plenty of experience with that as well. So point blank question a lot of people ask is, why is it so difficult for physicians and hospitals to get paid? Because it's a, it, it's a, um, a tangled web of bureaucracy. Um, so, um, there are thousands of codes that, um, uh, go into billing. Um, there is criteria that all the health insurance companies have, um, excuse me. And so, um, it is a, it's a, it's a nightmare. And I witnessed it firsthand in terms of what goes into trying to get, uh, a doctor paid, and it's an it's an absolute nightmare. Um, and a and a doctor never knows whether they're going to get paid or not. And in addition to that, sometimes they are given uh, they are paid, and then the money is recouped from them because the insurance company takes the money back. So it is a very complicated process for hospitals and doctors and mental health providers to get paid. Um, and the consumers don't really know that. Um, they only right. know it when, when, if they get a bill in the mail, then mm-hmm. they know it. So, um, so do the independent primary care physicians and therapists struggle more than physicians and therapists employed by hospitals or larger healthcare systems? They do because the larger healthcare systems have more resources and money to devote to it, um, whereas you know small practices do not. So, um, so yeah, they they do struggle. And 
You know, I, I also want to add that people have this, I'm going to use the word fantasy that, you know, doctors make a ton of money and healthcare providers make a ton of money and that they do it for the money. That is, that is so not true. Anyone who becomes a healthcare worker, they do it because they want to help people and they, and they do not make a lot of money. Um, so I think, and I've mentioned to you, to, I've mentioned to you this before is when I used to speak to my primary care physician in Rhode Island, we would talk about this. And he said, a lot of people think just because you're a doctor, you're swimming in money. He said, but by the time I pay rent on this building, utilities, malpractice insurance, I have to pay a payroll to my in- employees. I have to pay their insurance. And by the way, in six months from now, when I get your $64, if ever, you know, I'm already <laughs> three months, six months behind. So I'm really not doing as well as everybody thinks just because I'm a doctor. Right, right. There's a lot of overhead that um, goes into running a practice. So, and you, and you mentioned all of them. So they, they have to, you know, they have a lot to pay for. Um, and, and they are not rolling in the dough, right. um, where that people think, think they are. The, the people who are rolling in the dough, I will tell you, are the big, are the, uh, you know, again, the for-profit health insurance companies, their CEOs, their vice presidents, those folks are rolling in the dough. But, you know, uh, not, not health care providers, no. So let's switch gears again a little bit to telemedicine. Telemedicine. I don't want to sound like someone from Boston. It's not telemedicine. <laughs> uh, a subject near and dear to your heart. I mentioned to you again once before that I have a system through my employer. We have a, a gateway system where we're all connected by an app. Uh, we're able to email our primary care physician. We get super fast test results. We're able to make appointments, script requests, to-dos, etc. So for me, anyway, it's been super convenient. And I'm not sure if you've seen that on your end as a therapist. And if you could also tell us what's the difference between telehealth and telemedicine, or is there not a difference? There really isn't a difference. Um, the, the, the verbiage is used interchangeably. So, um, so it really means both of them just mean having, uh, you know, um, getting care through technology basically, um, which is audio and visual. Um, and it's for mental health and substance abuse treatment. It has been a lifesaver. So, so it's wonderful. It is the definitely the wave of the future in terms of healthcare. It it is providing more access to um, to people, um, and so it. Thankfully, we have it um, because we're we're able to reach a lot of people through it. So it, the technology is great, um, and um, it's not going away. So it's here to stay. Do Patients or your patients seem to react better to it. Do they like it? Not like it? They like it. Some of them were skeptical of it at first, but everyone is pretty comfortable with it now. Um, and even providers were were skeptical of it as well. But um, 
but we all um, put aside our fears and we're all embracing it now. And, and it really has been a lifesaver. So I guess one of the, really one of the only drawbacks is you, you don't get that. Although you do have face to face on the phone, you're not face to face in person. Right. So there, it will never totally replace face to face and nor should it mm-hmm. because um, we, you know, and I miss seeing my clients in person. I do. Um, so, um, so yeah, you know, we still need that human touch. Um, so, um, and that does make a difference. But unfortunately, you know, during this time, we're, we're really relying on telehealth. So, and so some patients, though, might need or require for whatever reason, a one-on-one in person. So it, it will, it'll never go away. It'll never go away because there's certain procedures that need to be done in person. Um, so, yeah, so it'll never totally replace uh, face-to-face. So other than what we've touched on this afternoon, is there anything else that we haven't touched on that you'd like to mention? No, I just I, I just want to say to folks again that if they need help, there's there's help available. So make sure you reach out, you know, talk to someone. Um, don't be afraid to talk to someone um, because there there is help, uh, help and also try and find the positive in this. So, um, you know, in terms of maybe making some lifestyle changes that will actually benefit your health right. and mental health. So, yeah. All good advice. And as you know, before we let you go on this podcast, we always ask a question of the week. And the last time we spoke, I had one for you and you had a great answer. And it was what was the best piece of advice you ever received? And can you just uh, tell the listeners what you told me? Sure. So I was blessed with two great parents. um, And uh, they are both passed on and I miss them dearly. And um, I have to say, uh, there is one expression that my mother would say to me all the time as a kid, and it used to frustrate me because um, I don't have a lot of patience, and I always uh, try and get a little Mm -hmm. more patience every day, but I'm a very impatient person. And she would say to me, um, everything happens for a reason. And I have embraced that. I, I do believe that every situation, good and bad, um, happens for a reason. I believe people come into our life for a reason, even if it's um, sometimes when we don't want them to come into <laughs> our life, maybe something bad happens, but, mm-hmm. it, but it does. And, and I do, do believe in that, and I remember that every day. So everything happens for a reason. But those adverse relationships really makes you a stronger person in the long run. It does because it's, it's meant to teach you. It's, I believe anyways, that it's meant to teach you something. Now, mind you, I'm not saying go look for somebody to treat you badly. I'm not saying that, but, but it is, it is meant to, to, to teach us something. I believe anyways. Yeah. And my mom's advice was always keep moving forward. And that is something I've always drilled into my two daughters and everyone I know because, and again, back to my daughters. So growing up, I would always tell them, you know, life isn't easy. There's going to be a lot of crap thrown your way. 
and things mm-hmm. can get really difficult. And all you can do is, number one, ask for help if need be, but always yeah. keep moving forward. So yeah. our mothers, yeah. I think, were both wise women, and hopefully those two pieces of advice will be helpful for anyone listening. Yeah, or maybe they're looking down on us right now saying, ah, look at them doing this podcast. <laughs> they we hit like the it. big like time. <laughs> Yeah. So again, I truly, truly want to thank you again and would absolutely love to have you on again if you'd be willing. Absolutely. Anytime, Steve. It's my pleasure. So thank you very much, Diane. I had a lot of fun. Me too. Thanks. Thanks. Remember, you can always hear Diane in Rhode Island on 790 WPRVAM or anywhere around the world on iHeartRadio AM 790. That's pretty much going to wrap up this week's episode number seven. Again, we wish Lee very well with his new Airwaves This Week podcast, which I'm happy to say I'll be co-hosting. And as always, thank you to our sponsor, waterpawsco.com, a woman-owned and operated business in North Carolina creating custom bandanas for your dogs and cats. The holidays are coming up, so get the quality your pups deserve. That's W-A-T-E-R-P-A-W-S-C-O dot com. Don't forget to check out our website, savopediamedia.com, S-A-V-O-P-E-D-I-A-M-E-D-I-A dot com. And look for the new Savopedia YouTube channel we're really excited about. We'll be posting our podcasts, fun travel videos, and of course, entertaining cat videos. What would YouTube be without cat videos? Again, as we always ask, please click like and subscribe to Savopedia on YouTube and your favorite podcast app. We really appreciate it. So thank you again for sharing time on my birthday weekend. And we'll see you next week.